Colossians 2, please. We were here last week. Just let me get a drink before we start. Verse, we'll read from verse 8, please. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. In whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. And putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, That was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. We know the Lord will bless the reading of his own divine and inspired word in public this morning. Let's just buy another word of prayer. Eternal Father, we thank you again this morning for every remembrance of thy beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that he has paid our debt in its fullness. We thank you this morning, those who are saved and blood-washed and blood-bought this morning, our sins have been removed from us. From as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And so this morning... We thank you for your son. We thank you for his precious blood, his doing and his dying and his rising again. We thank you for the gospel message to our hearts. We thank you for the den hour that you came into our lives and made known unto us our need of a saviour and pointed us to him. And this morning, Lord, we thank you that we read that we are complete in him, complete in all that he has done and all who he is. So this morning, Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would now speak to us through thy word and may thy spirit have free course to deal with our hearts severally as he would and sovereignly as you will. Because, Lord, this morning we can do nothing without you. We love you because you first loved us. We praise you because you alone are worthy. And, Lord, this morning we pray that you we deal with us as I do see fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 10, if you remember last week, was, And ye are complete in him. The wonderful thing about our reading this morning is we're complete in the Lord Jesus Christ because all of the handwriting and the ordinances that were against us and contrary unto us, All of that was nailed to his cross. Thankful for the the hymn that we sang this morning, which Caroline had picked. My sin, oh the bliss 
of this glorious thought. My sin not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. We are complete in Christ this morning. If you're saved, you're complete because of who he is and what he has done and all that Christ alone has accomplished. So we believe in everything that the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us that we might be saved. We looked last week at how he is God come down, very God of very God. We looked how he is man of very man. We looked a little at his birth. We won't really be spent too long in some of these, but our title simply this morning is the Lord Jesus Christ, his birth, his book, his baptism and his blood. We might need another week by the time we get to the end of this because there's so much for us to see because from his birth, his life to his death, from his birth to his blood, we find that he has kept everything for us that whenever you and I are saved then all that he has done and all that he has accomplished is all that we need for our redemption and for our salvation. For example, whenever we see him, he comes in Isaiah 9 and verse 6 tells us, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah prophesying 750 years before his coming, that the Christ, the Messiah, would come and he would take the form, that is, he would take the form of man, that the Son of God would be born in Bethlehem through a virgin's womb, the young woman called Mary. We looked at that even maybe the week before as well, just about his birth, when people have remembered that especially, especially around Christmas time, just last week or so ago. But the scriptures tell us of Christ's coming. Isaiah 9 and 6 throughout the scriptures tells us of Micah 5 and 2. He would be born from the tribe of Judah. He'd be born in Bethlehem. And the scriptures also tell us of the coming of Christ in a time scale. Will you turn with me please to the book of Galatians? The book of Galatians please. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians. Chapter 4, Galatians 4, and verse 4, please. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, and here was his mission. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. When the fullness of time was come. What fullness of time? The fullness of what time? If you will turn to the book of Daniel, please, chapter 9. Daniel, chapter 9, please. And verse 24 speaks of the fullness of time. Seventy weeks are determined, verse 24, 70 weeks are determined 
upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Notice, to finish the transgression. This is what Christ did on the cross. Remember, ye are complete in him. To finish the, the transgression, to make an end of sin. And to make reconciliation for iniquity, he reconciled us back to God. And to bring in everlasting righteousness, not our own righteousness, but his righteousness. And to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now notice this is what the Lord said he would do. Let your eye run down. In verse 26, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, but for the people of the prince that shall come, shall destroy the city. That was speaking of Titus coming, the Roman prince. He destroyed the city. And the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood unto the end of the war of desolations are determined. And he shall confirm not Antichrist, this is the Lord Jesus Christ shall confirm the covenant. This is the blood of the everlasting covenant that Christ is in verse 24. This is it in verse 27. And in the midst of the week, that is, Jesus' ministry was in the midst of the prophetic week. The seven years is three and a half years. He was crucified in three and a half years. In the midst of the week, he shall cause sacrifice and oblation to cease. The, the temple and the sacrifice of the lambs and the goats was done away with, for Christ is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Christ was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Christ was the Lamb to finish all sacrifice of lambs. And oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate until the consummation and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. What is the fullness of time of Galatians 4? Daniel chapter 9, we've already read it. When the fullness of time, not part of the time, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. Made of a woman, made under the law, he came to keep the law that we couldn't keep. So this morning we want to look, God willing and time willing. If not, next week we'll see how we get on. So here he fulfilled prophecy at his birth. He fulfilled the time scale of the 70 weeks in Daniel chapter 9. So when the fullness of time was come. So he was, we were told he's coming, he's coming, he is coming. By the way, in Daniel 9, just to help you when you go home, if you read the chapter, Daniel is reading the books, he said, before the revelation comes to him. And he mentions he's reading the book of Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah, there is mention of the covenant that we spoke of. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 33. Behold, the day has come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, he says. Not the same covenant that I made with their fathers. In other words, he says this will be a renewed or a new covenant. And of course, he's reading this about the covenant when he gets this time scale. Now take note of this. They spoke of him coming. He fulfilled 
prophecy and he fulfilled a time scale. Of course, in John chapter 5 and verse 43, the Lord Jesus himself says, I am come in my Father's name. He's come as Jehovah Savior or Yahweh who saves. That's what the name Jesus means. I am come in my Father's name. And then in John 10 and verse 10, he says, I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. And then in John chapter 12 and verse 46, he says, I am come a light into the world. In other words, they that sat in darkness saw a great light, the scriptures from Isaiah said, and the great light was Christ himself. And he says, I am come a light into the world that whoever believeth in me should not abide in darkness. That's why this morning, brothers and sisters, you and I are not abiding in darkness. We have the light of life. You and I are not abiding in darkness for Christ was born in Bethlehem. Here he comes from heaven's glory and there he takes on the seed of Abraham. He comes from the line of David and from the tribe of Judah. And there he comes as our great kinsman, redeemer, to bring in the renewed or the new covenant of Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33. And then uh, the law, according to Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33, is not on tables of stone as we would have it, but is written on our hearts, is written within our spirits. And so here the Lord Jesus Christ comes and says, I am come to people in darkness, in sin, in depravity of nature, without God and without Christ and without hope in the world, And I'm come to bring light to them that they might know the way to the kingdom of God. I'm glad I'm saved this morning. And I'm glad this morning that I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I'm glad this morning that Christ is my Savior and He changes not. And I'm glad this morning that in my failures and my faults, He remains the same and He remains faithful unto the end. So this morning we can rejoice that ye are complete. Complete in him. Once we try to say we choose Jesus, we made a decision for Jesus as it were. Once we try to say we give one iota, jot or tittle or done something for our salvation, then grace is no more and we try to have salvation by works. It's not in our alms. It's not in our deeds. It's not in our church going. Salvation is not in a creed. It's not in a denomination or an institution. Salvation is in a person and he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, ye are complete in him. Ye are complete in him. The word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. So his birth. Christ Jesus came into the world. Born into the world. To save sinners. Thank God he sent his son. And that he gave him. That this sinner might be in God's kingdom. 
that this sinner might be forgiven and saved and sealed for all time and eternity. Thank God for Jesus that he paid my debt in its fullness. And I am and you are complete in him. Would you say amen this morning? It's all in Christ. Starting off in 2022, let's keep it the way we've always kept it. Christ in the center. Christ before us. Christ within us. Secondly, we'll move on to his book. Would you turn with me, please, to Matthew's gospel? Matthew's gospel, please. Chapter 5. And verse 17, and this will tie in as where we were from part, uh, our last uh, part there, speaking of the law. His book we're going to look at. Verse 17, please. The Lord Jesus Christ says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no ways pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least commandments, notice, and shall teach men so. These are the words of Christ now. We are hearing many preachers saying the commandments aren't for today. Hear many preachers saying that the law, when we preach about the law of God, that the law is a law of death, and people are death preachers. Jesus says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. The scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus is saying here, oh, they do all the ritual. There's people who are so sincere, so sincere about their religion. And they'll go and they'll do their alms and their deeds and they'll try their best and their hardest and they'll go through their rituals and they'll do all these things to try and make themselves right with God, righteous in the sight of God. Such were the Pharisees and such were the scribes. But here the Lord Jesus Christ says that your righteousness and my righteousness must exceed them. Now if they were so self-righteous that they thought that they were living the best of lives and so strict in their lifestyle and they're living before God. Yet they were lost and in their sin. Then how much harder should we be trying for our righteousness? That's not what Jesus is saying here. I want you to catch this now. It's not in your alms and it's not in your deeds and it's not in your rituals. and It's not in your ceremonies. It's not in your going to your denomination. It's not in your confirmation. And it's not in your christening. It's in Christ. Your righteousness 
is as filthy rags. My righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. And here we find that the Lord says that none of us are righteous. So how do we become more righteous than the Pharisees and the scribes who tried so hard? Than those who are so sincere in their religion and their churches who even say they believe in Jesus but are not trusting only, solely, fully, completely, uniquely and totally in Christ. How do we then become more righteous? We are only righteous by accepting Christ as our Savior and laying aside all of our works and laying aside all of our alms and our deeds and our good living. Yes, we live right because we're saved. Yes, we live because, right because we want to walk according to the word. Yes, we want to walk and be pleasing unto God. But not for our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God and not of our works. Lest any man should boast. I'm not going to be able to say, well, you know, I made it here, God, because, well, I sort of believed in Jesus and I've done my best. I'm not going to say, well, I've done no wrong ever in my life because then I am a liar, the Bible says, and the truth is not in me. So already I'm unrighteous. I will be saying I'm here through the blood of the Lamb. I'm here in the righteousness of Christ. I'm here because I am complete in him. Brothers and sisters, we have nothing to boast of. Absolutely nothing to boast of. Save the cross work and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm still trusting in the blood of the Lamb. I'm still believing in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and in that alone. Notice here what the Lord says. He says in verse 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come not come to destroy, but to fulfill. In other words, his book. The Bible is his book. It's about Abraham and his family and the lying down. Yes, of course. But it is about him. It is his book. The Bible our 66 canonized books are his book. It's all about Christ. For example, in Exodus 24 and verse 7, it says of Moses, and he took the book of the covenant. Notice this is a ratified covenant with blood. He took the book of the covenant and read it in the audience of the people and they said, all that the Lord hath said we will do and be obedient. Listen to what Israel said. All that the Lord hath said we will do and be obedient. And anyone can try it their hardest and they can try to be obedient and that's a good thing. I'm not saying anything against that. But every one of us fail and fall and falter. None of us can keep the law in its fullness. None of us can keep the law in its entirety. But we would all fail 
even though we try to keep it in fullness of obedience. And so when Israel failed, the Lord Jesus Christ would come. Listen to what the psalmist prophesied in Psalm 40 and verse 7. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. Now the psalmist wasn't saying it was written about him. This is the spirit of prophecy speaking through the psalmist. And the spirit of prophecy is a testimony of Jesus, tells us in the book of Revelation. Spirit of prophecy was testifying about the coming of the Son of God. Here God in glory, the Spirit is speaking to the prophet. And he says, lo, I come in the volume. You know what the volume is? The A to Z. The Alpha and the Omega. The Aleph and the Tav of the Hebrew. From cover to cover, lo, I come in the volume of this book that is written of me. It goes on to say, I delight to do thy will, O God. And the only one who could do it was Christ himself, the Son of God. He came to keep the law that we couldn't keep. He came to fulfill the prophets that you and I could never have fulfilled. And so we are in him and we are complete in Christ because of all that he has done. If you're taking notes, Hebrews 10 and verse 7 will also uh, refer to uh, Psalm 40 and verse 7. In Luke chapter 24, in Luke 24 and verse 27, the two are on the road to Emmaus after the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. It seems as though this Christ hasn't done what he said he would do, that he would rise from the dead. And well, they're they're making it out of Jerusalem. They're trying to get out of the way. They're going on a seven-mile walk to a little village called Emmaus. And a stranger pulls alongside them and they can't understand who is this person. And he starts speaking to them. And then he gives them a seven-mile Bible study. For seven miles, he starts to speak to them. In Luke 24 and verse 27, it says, I'm beginning at Moses. This is the Moses who lifted the book of the covenant. The book of the covenant that was ratified by blood. Think about it. He starts talking about from Moses, the book of the covenant ratified by blood of the Lamb. And he says, it says, I'm beginning at Moses and all the prophets, the whole way through the scripture. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This was Christ, for he made himself known unto them. Christ then took the scales from off their eyes and made himself known unto this couple on the road to a mess. Notice, all the prophets all the scriptures. Christ is in all the scriptures. In Acts chapter 10 and in verse 43 says to him, to Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, to him, 
give all the prophets witness. To the Lord Jesus Christ, they all pointed to him. They all spoke of him. And so the book, his book, is all about him. Unfortunately, today there are many trying to make his book about them. It's not about them, it's about him. He expounded to them. I wonder what that Bible study was like. Imagine the word that was with God and is God. The word, expounding the word. Wow. What a Bible study. The word, expounding the word. Thirdly, we look at his baptism. While you're in Matthew, please just flick over to chapter 3. Verse 13, please. It says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Notice here, John the Baptist is in Jordan, and Jesus comes into the water, and John says, Lord, you should baptize me. I shouldn't be baptizing you. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill, to fulfill all righteousness. Now all righteousness wasn't being fulfilled at the baptism itself, but the baptism was fulfilling righteousness. So Christ fulfilled prophecy or a time scale at his birth. He fulfilled the law in his book. And now he's fulfilling righteousness in his baptism. The word here he says, for thus it becometh us. It becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. See the word becometh, it's a word prepo, prepo. And this is one of the main thrusts of the meaning of it in the original text. To stand out among a number. To stand out among a number. The Lord Jesus in the water with John the Baptist. He says, it becometh us to fulfill. We must stand out, he says, that I am fulfilling righteousness. Must stand out above the Pharisees. Must stand out above the scribes. I must stand out above all other men and women. I must stand out to be fulfilling all righteousness. Even above those who are sincerely seeking God. Why? Because our righteousness is in Him. 
Your righteousness, brother, and your righteousness, sister, is in Christ. And ye are complete in him. And so Jesus says, the righteousness that I'm fulfilling is what they cannot fulfill. So you and I are sinners before God. But if I fulfill it, and I stand out among the number, not just at the banks of Jordan, if I stand out among the number throughout all time and eternity, then my righteousness may be their righteousness when they trust in me. So no matter what we do, we're sinners until we trust in Christ and he clothes us with his righteousness for he has done what we could not do. To stand out among a number. I may finish this point up and maybe do another one because I've so much material to show you. Do another one next week, God willing. For example, will you turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5, please? Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to see this word for becometh, prepo. Ephesians 5, please. Verse 1 says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now notice, God gave himself in the person of his Son. And so the sweet-smelling savor is the sacrifice, the doing, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not the sweet-smelling savor. Your works, your church, your denomination is not the sweet-smelling savor, but Christ himself is. And so we become that when we're in him, for you are complete in him. Notice verse 3, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. See the word becometh saints? It is the word prepo, to stand out among a number. And what Paul is saying here is that if you and I are righteous in Christ, it does not give us a license to sin. But rather, we should stand out among the number. Not because we are so wonderful or so holy. Not because we're so good in ourselves. But because he is so wonderful. Because he is so holy. Because he is so good in himself. And we are in him and he is in us. And we are one in the spirit. In other words, we don't do what we used to do. We don't live how we used to live. Listen, when I got saved, you can say the same, I hope, of yourself, but when I got saved, my life changed. When I was saved, my life drastically changed. In fact, when I got saved, Christ delivered me and rescued me. 
When I got saved, my desires changed. When I got saved, my thoughts changed. My heart changed. My will changed. When I got saved, I was changed. I was renovated into a new creature. Into a new man. Oh yes, the old man's there. But I have to keep crucifying him daily. I trust from you got saved, brothers and sisters. You realize that there's been a change. If you've got saved, or you profess to be saved, and there's been no change, then I'm going to tell you, I believe then there's no Christ. No change, no Christ. For if there's no Christ, there will be no change. Paul is saying, this is who he used to be, but now as becoming saints, blood-wise, set apart sons and daughters of God. Let us then stand out among the number. Let us be different in the righteousness of Christ. Live different, act different, think different, walk different, talk different, behave different. We should be different. Your life should be add up. Totally overwhelmed and overcome by the word and the spirit of God. And if it wasn't for the wind blowing the tent, you'd hear a pin drop. Oh, how the Spirit speaks to the heart. This isn't a makey, learn, take it or leave it, try it or drop it gospel. This is something that changes the man and changes the woman from the inside out. As becometh saints, he means we should stand out among the number. Shouldn't be going where the world goes. Shouldn't be doing what the world does. You shouldn't be living how the world lives. But rather we should be different. We live in our lives as becometh saints. Do we have a holiness on our tongue in the Lord's day morning as we talk to brethren and sing the hymns and the songs of Zion? And yet throughout the week on our tongue we have the words of the devil We have the words of depraved, carnal, fleshy nature. Or during the week that we have on our tongue, hate-filled words, swear words. Do we live like an angel on the Lord's day? And do we depart, become like a devil the rest of the week? Is our attitudes right? Is our living right? Does it bring glory unto the Savior? And work and family in your home 
that we act as if we are becoming saints or as it becometh the saints. We are saints, but becometh the saints. Do we like the little sneaky, cheeky deals that are ungodly in the background, that are unrighteous for men to see? Do we wear the suit on the Sunday? And as easy as the suit is taken off, so is the garments of Christ. Paul says that we should not. If you knew the stories of a pastor, see if a pastor could write a book about some people who they've ministered to and plowed their time into and their effort and prayed over. Do you see if a pastor could write a book at the things in secret that were said and done and how people were living and pretending in the church? See if a pastor could write, it would be the best seller because people love the muck and the dirt. What is this, brother, to you? Ah, it's church. (laughs) Is that all it is? Just church. Is that all we have? Is that all we have? Just church. Sister, is that all you have? Just church. If that's all you have, you're lost. And a man and a woman are saved, they die. They die and Christ lives in them. Paul tells us in Galatians 2 and 20, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. Paul says that we are to be followers of God as dear children in Ephesians 5 and 1. We are to walk in love as Christ also hath loved us in verse 2. And how he has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. That's how we are to walk. Then he says, but fornication with all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as it becometh saints. Not not it need be named once among you. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring people close to Christ. Close to Christ. I want to be close to him. I want to be close to him. Let nothing be named among you as becometh saints. In other words, that you'll stand out among the number that you're Christ's. Tell 
Time is evading me here. Titus chapter 2, please, quickly. Just a thought here. Titus chapter 2. Paul again tells us of our speech, our language. Chapter 2, verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Speak the things that stand out among the number. Speak the words that stand out among. Speak about him. Speak about his blood. Speak about his great sacrifice. Speak about his love. Speak about his resurrection. Wherever you are, as becometh sound doctrine, away with this 50 ways to have a blessed day. I want you to have a blessed day. Don't you get me wrong. I want all of us to be blessed and to do well. So please don't get me wrong. But that's not becoming. That does not stand out as sound doctrine. The blood. The book. The fulfilling of righteousness and the prophets of Christ. His birth. His sinless life. His miraculous ministry. His atoning death. His burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his high priestly ministry at the right hand of God, and his coming again. Say, speak about these things, for they will stand out among the number as becometh sound doctrine. Illustration may have its place, but the whole place may not be filled with illustration. Go to verse 15, please, of chapter 1 of Titus. Unto the pure all things are pure. Unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. We see that, don't we? We see that in the world, don't we? We see that, we hear that everywhere we go, don't we? Their conscience is defiled. Yours was like that once and so was mine. They profess, we're getting closer to the religious. He was speaking really of the Christians and the Jews. But notice here, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. And since there's no chapter and verse in the original, he says, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So I must bring this point to the close because time is gone. We find that people have even tried to make it a doctrine that John the Baptist is greater than Christ because John the Baptist baptizes Christ. And Jesus comes up out of the water praying. And so some have even said that, look, in, in those days, the sinner went into the water and they repented before God. So Jesus was repenting when he was praying. No, 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 and a thousand times no. For he is without sin. 
He knew no sin. Some may claim that John the Baptist is the greater because the master should never be baptized but by the servant. So here is the picture of who is who. But listen to the words of John the Baptist in John 3 and 30 of the Lord Jesus Christ. He must increase. I must decrease. Picture for all of us this morning that he in our lives must increase and we in our lives must decrease. His will must increase when our will decreases. His purpose must increase when our purpose must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. John even said in Matthew 3 that he's not worthy to loose the shoe latchet of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, that's not just meaning to take off his shoe. Teach about it in other times, about redemption. Remember Ruth and Boaz, and he brings Ruth uh, to a near kinsman to redeem. The, he had to take off the shoe. And that meant that he was the near kinsman to redeem. So John is taking a picture like that and saying, I'm not the redeemer. I'm not he who has come as your kinsman. I'm not worthy to loose that shoe, for I'm not that kinsman, redeemer. But Christ alone is. That's what John was saying. So John is not greater than our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus, in his baptism, completely identified himself with sinners. The Lord Jesus Christ identified himself in the water. And we're told when he come up out of the water, lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Notice, he fulfilled the time scale at his birth. He became a man. He fulfilled the law in his book. He kept it for man. He fulfilled righteousness in his baptism. He identified with sinful man. And God willing, next week, He fulfilled all requirements for redemption. He shed his blood for man. And ye are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. May God bless you this morning. May you stay Christ-focused and centered. Father, he gives us a day to live a year to live, or whether he tarries and we are here in another 20 years or whatever, may God bless you. Keep Christ at the forefront of all things.